0: Hey there, welcome. I'm so glad that you are here. So glad that you could come, join me, tune in, and connect. Well, how are you today? It's the weekend, and pretty soon you all will be celebrating Father's Day. So step right up. A special, unique time for some, others like me, having lost my dad. Now make others happy by connecting them wholeheartedly. And seeing smiles and forgiveness is the best medicine, wouldn't you agree? Well, on top of that, a dollop of love, appreciation and affection to all dads from me to you. To those of you who don't know me, and I know I'm Sonoma Jacob, so nice to meet you. So grab your chair. Phone a friend and join me in the garden of serenity where you walk with the Lord, talk to the Lord, seek counsel from the Lord and patiently wait upon the Lord to become the best dad you can be. You know, as women we wish there are things we wish men would know. Mm-hmm. Now, now, you must have read men are from Mars, women from Venus. But in your real world, what would you really say, mum, to that man? That differs, like chalk, is to cheese. Into the garden we aim to please. Hurry, hurry. Hey Dad, we got you. My lineup today is so full, insightful, lighthearted with a soul poem titled Especially for Dad, Master of My Safe. Going local with one of our very own. My guest on this Father's Day extravaganza is none other than a sweet sassy soul to stay and what a privilege to have her so be patient for it's well worth the wait now quickly dash off to the kitchen to make yourself a decadent or refreshing cup of tea coffee or glass of juice or water then hurry on over for you don't want to miss out with glee for here on into the garden it's the place to be where hearts are mended lives restored and you and I connect as we wait to hear from the Lord.
1: We hope. Thank you.
2: On the heart of Jesus, Apostle Paul, exhorts us from the Holy Scriptures I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and the life which we now live in the flesh. We live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. Holy following Jesus in its essence is not just about singing. It's not just about lifting up holy hands. The Bible tells us it is having our minds renewed which then results in transformation and we are then to step out in faith to receive the new things. God is speaking to us so today let us embrace by faith City Harvest Church the new things God is giving to us new opportunities new thoughts new ideas new strategies renewed marriages new people getting saved healing deliverance all these new things the Bible says God says I'm doing a new thing on the earth right now. So wherever you are, I want you to lift up holy hands. Lift up your eyes to the Lord and begin to worship once again. And say, Jesus, I wholly follow after You. That's right. That's right. That's right. Worship Him right now. Father, we pray, give us a different spirit like that of Caleb and Joshua, that we will not be afraid of this new thing that you are doing on the earth. We will step up boldly, O God. I pray as you renew our minds with your word, O God, that we will come to this place to embrace totally what you have for us. For you are the God of new things. So today, we commit our lives, we commit this service into your loving hands. In Jesus' name we ask and praise, giving you all the glory and all the praise. That's right. Let's give God the praise right now, wherever we are. Hallelujah!
0: poem master of my say and the inscription reads as follows no rumble of the ocean no howling of the wind can sneak up against you for sassy soul you have the master of the seas, on whom you can depend What is you say right now where is you see right now for from sinking sand he lifted me with the stroke of his hand he comforted me by the firm walk of he who calmed the raging sea, indeed he is the son of christ that man from galilee where do i find myself but in the bottom of the sea trying to avoid catastrophe complacency negativity where am i in the midst of this rattling roving insecurities like runaway Jonah in the belly of the whale, thinking if only I could do things my way, then I will be set free. Yes, there are many seas with waters rough, calm and willing to go above you and me. In the sea, I am gasping, sparring and rolling completely out of breath. Out of balance, out of equilibrium, wouldn't you agree? Your life can be tumultuous, just like that, say, with horrid veins and disconnecting you from God, wouldn't you agree? For when, at say, your focus is on the problem, not the solution, so where is God in the midst of all your confusion? Gosh, you're probably thinking, how did I make it through? I tell you, by his grace, for I myself could not have done it on my own, could you? And mind you, no matter, you say, cast your net over on the other side with glee. Well, I don't know about you, but endure the road less traveled, for between your straight and narrow, God is for sure about to unravel. Be it at work or at play, give it your best, for you're about to reap some great rewards come what may. So on this somewhat beautiful, cheery, chilly, overcast day when oceans rise perhaps the sun shining with birds flying so high then there's you with no need to hide for you have God on your side chin up go out with a step a kick and a hop and don't delay for time is now make haste and say I have a can-do attitude and a horrid sea can withstand the test of God and me. I have a victorious attitude and a problem is too big for my God is bigger than my sea. I am the best me there is, so watch out giant of the sea for I am breaking loose, I am breaking free. For though the tide, low or high, there is Jesus coming the raging sea. So I can now step aside and arise. With a dollop of renewed confidence I can and I will. For in him is he who created me. And no storm, no tide can be weathered with the master of the seas and so it is so shall it be and this was written the 19th of June 2013
1: Love and say, da da
0: Up my alley. My guest today is none other than sassy, vibrant soul sister, Ingrid Ahmed, a leader of the ushering board at Unlimited Ministries, God is able. Otterrey. She's also the news anchor on Vaughn Radio, and can be heard sharing local and international news throughout the day. So the next voice you will hear is that of sister Ingrid Ahmed. So gather round, one and all, How about another cup of tea? I got mine. Have you got yours?
3: we celebrate Father's Day we give God glory honor and praise for raising up men fathers male figures to lead teach guide shepherd and procreate for without them there would be no followings no following generations no following sheep no children to adults and no more men male figures or fathers so here we read in Jeremiah 31 33 to 34 For I will forgive the iniquity and the sin I will remember no more. This was the prophecy about the new covenant in which we live. Jeremiah by the Holy Spirit foretold of a day that was coming when God would dwell in men by his spirit. He prophesied that man would be full of the word of God in his heart and in his mind. Jeremiah foretold of a covenant in which man would know God in the most intimate way meaning that man would have to be regenerated, recreated, become a new creature and then walk in personal communion with the Holy Spirit. New covenant realities would be in the hearts of men. Instead of living by the law, they would live by the promptings of the Holy Spirit in newness of life. So to all men who are father and children of any age and shepherds to their flock, faithfully diligently, protectively, provisionally and caringly, we salute you, we honour you and respect you. Be blessed in all you do, always, in Jesus' powerful name. Amen and amen. Have a lovely Father's Day.
4: coming out or watching online and spending your weekend with us i am so humbled and excited to get to share with you let me start off by wishing all the dads a happy father's day thank you for everything that you do we love and appreciate you and we are so glad to celebrate you this weekend i've been blessed with an amazing father so this year I'm giving him the best gift I could think of by getting up here and giving him the week off. (laughs) I've spent the last few days watching him enjoy a mini-vacation while I do his job. I'm not complaining, but he always made it look easy. It turns out this is a lot more work than I expected. (laughs) So I thought, what better way to prepare for my first time speaking on a weekend than to go back and listen to his first message. He's come a long way, but, but how did he get started? But My dad called me Monday night and he said, Joel, are you sitting down? And I thought, oh no, there's gonna be bad news. And I thought maybe it was about his health or something. He said, but I'm gonna ask you something don't pass out when I ask you. And I thought, okay, what is it? And he said, will you preach for me Sunday morning? And I thought, boy, that was bad news. And I said, but I thought about the advantages of being my first time. one. If I'm really bad and you don't enjoy it, when you walk out of here, you can say, you know, that boy has nowhere to go but up. (laughs) After seeing that, I realized, I don't have a country accent. And I don't have a mullet. So in some ways, I think I'm already off to a better start. I guess there's nowhere to go but up. Today, I want to talk about the love of the Father. There are many different ways we can know God. We can know him as an all-powerful creator who made the universe and sits on a throne surrounded by angels. We can know him as this omnipotent being who parts seas and brings the dead to life. We can know him as a man with a big white beard who sits on a cloud and sounds like Morgan Freeman. (laughs) Different people have different ideas of who God is. Some people see him as this distant cosmic being that couldn't possibly be concerned with their lives. Some see him as a holy, unapproachable figure to be feared and reverenced. Others think he's just waiting for them to make a mistake. They know God as someone with a long list of everything they've done wrong. But with Jesus came a new way to know God. Through him we didn't just receive a savior, we were given a father. When the disciples asked Jesus how they should pray, the very first words he used were our Father in heaven. Of all the ways he could have told us to relate to God, Jesus said he's our Father first. That's the best understanding we could have of God, one of a loving Father, someone that's proud of us, someone that cares, someone that cheers us on and lifts us when we fall, when we know this, we begin to realize God's not distant. He's not unapproachable. He's not mad at us. He is madly in love with us. Jesus, the son of God, could have only referred to him as his father. But when he spoke to people, Jesus would say, your father. It was important to him that we see God this way. Each time he said this, Jesus was reminding us of the way God feels about us, that he's not just the creator of the universe, but he's your heavenly father. He's your biggest fan. He loves to spend time with you. He gets excited to talk to you. He always has your best interest at heart. Your father is a constant source of strength and protection. He's there to encourage you when you're down and push you forward when you feel like giving up. If he cares for the birds of the air, how much more must he care for you? Maybe you grew up without a father, or he was harsh in dealing with his own struggles. You may have gotten used to him not being there for you, or never being able to measure up, but we can't let who our earthly father wasn't to distort the truth of who our heavenly father (laughs) is. He may have been difficult to please, But know that God has always been pleased with you. He may have been quick to find fault, but know that God is filled with mercy. He may have been absent, but remember, God has promised to be with you always. But some people never see God as proud of them. They're too busy criticizing themselves. They think they're not smart enough. They don't look the right way. They don't have enough talent. They've decided if they don't like themselves, then God couldn't either. They know He loves them, but He couldn't actually like them. They're not as funny as their friends. They're not as gifted as their siblings. They don't have a great career like their neighbor does. He would never want to show them off. Don't be like them. Your heavenly Father is the one who breathed life into you. You've been fearfully and wonderfully made. He's the one who gave you your smile, your personality, your gifts, your uniqueness. Everything about you has been carefully designed into what he calls a masterpiece. When God looks at you, he sees a masterpiece. He's amazed, he is so proud. He can't help but show you off. This is what he said in scripture. Have you seen my servant Job? There is no one like him in all the earth. That's how God feels about you. He calls all the angels around and says, come here, come here. Have you seen my son, Brian? There is no one like him. He's amazing. Oh, and have you seen my daughter, Joy? She's the best. I'm so proud of her. And the angels say, yes, God, we've seen them. You do this every day. <laughs> but God says, I know, I just, I just can't help it. They're my children. That's the love of our Heavenly Father. When He looks at you, He smiles. He likes your height, your ability, your ideas. He's the one who gave them to you. Now don't you dare let what other people have said or your own negative opinion tear down God's masterpiece. No father wants to see their child living defeated and discouraged about who they are. If you were supposed to be any different, your Heavenly Father would have made you that way. He doesn't make mistakes, he doesn't leave things out. Let go of comparison. Let go of overly critical attitudes. Know that God is proud of you. And if he not only loves us, but he likes us, then we have permission to like who we are too. One of the first times I spoke here at church, I looked down at the front row and I saw not one, but both of my parents holding up their phones recording video. (laughs) I thought, you guys are the pastors. If anyone can get a higher quality version of this message, it's YouTube. You don't have to record it on your phone. And on top of that, why are you both recording? You're sitting right next to each other. Can't one of you just send it to the other? It didn't matter. My parents sat on the front row for all three services and recorded them on their phones. Yes. They're the pastors, but they're parents first. And I know they recorded all those services because they were proud of me. And in the same way, God is proud of you. I imagine he's sitting on the front row of heaven with his phone pointed in your direction. He's cheering you on. He's celebrating every step that you take. He wants to remember every little triumph in your life. You're so important to him, he doesn't want to miss a moment. Yes, he's God, but he's your father first. He could have a whole camera crew of angels on the scene, but he just can't help but do it himself. He's been looking forward to the day you were born. He couldn't wait to see you take your first steps. He was so proud when you graduated college, and he is so excited about the things he has planned for your future. Psalm 103, It says, as parents feel for their children, so God feels for those who fear him. What's your image of God? Do you see him as your heavenly father? Can you picture him on the front row with his phone pointed toward you? He's not replaying your mistakes. He doesn't hold on to those. His camera roll is filled with love for you. When we have the right image of God, it gives us boldness. We can walk in confidence It allows us to pursue our dreams and even overcome challenges. If the creator of the universe is for us, there is nothing that could stand against us. I've heard some people ask my dad to pray for them because they think he's closer to God than they are. They think maybe if a pastor prays, then God will listen. He's always happy to pray with them, but my dad reminds them, You don't need to go through a third party to talk to your heavenly father. You're as much a child of God as anyone else. You don't need a pastor, a priest, or a saint to connect your call. When he sees it's you on the line, God picks up right away. He won't put you on hold. It doesn't go to voicemail. As his son or daughter, you have priority access to your father. But some people don't wanna bother God They see prayer as a last resort. They think God's got bigger things to deal with than me. Understand this, you are God's biggest deal. You're his prized possession. There's no detail in your life that's too small to concern him. He numbered the hairs on your head. He ordered your days. Whether you like it or not, the Bible says he watches you when you sleep. No nuance of your life is too small to concern him. He wants to be involved. You're saying God cares about what I make on this test? He does. He cares that my car needs repairs? He does. He cares if I get a good night's sleep? He does. If it's important to you, it's important to God. He wants you to bring these things to him. When you call, he answers. When your name comes across his phone, so to speak, he smiles. He says, I'll be right there to help. The Bible tells us to acknowledge God in all our ways. Not just before we eat, but in everything. He made the universe and he made the atom. There's no detail too small to concern him. We don't have to pray in the King James version, like Shakespeare authored it. You can if you want to, but Jesus said, this is your father you're dealing with. When I talk to my dad, I don't say, Greetings, thy senior pastor of Lakewood Church. I request an audience with thee. No, he would think that was odd. When I talk to my dad, I just talk to him. In the same way, prayer is just talking to God. He wants to hear the details. He wants to be involved in your life. You can ask questions. You can express concerns. You can tell him what you're grateful for or what you need help with. When you go to your father, he'll give you wisdom. He'll give you good ideas. He'll give you direction. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to pray a perfect prayer. Like Jesus said, this is your father you're talking to. He already knows what you need. He just wants to hear from you. There are times we feel like we have to convince God to love us, we have to win him to our side. We think, maybe if I come to church enough, or if I do more good deeds, then then I'll get some credit with him. The biggest lie that some of us believe is not that God's angry with us, it's that he's indifferent. Thoughts will tell us if we perform better, then we'll get his approval. Then he'll show us favor. But when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, the moment he came out of the water, a voice boomed out of the heavens and said, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. What's interesting is up to this point, Jesus hadn't performed a single miracle. He hadn't opened any blind eyes, healed any lepers, raised Lazarus from the dead. He hadn't even turned water to wine. Yet his father said, he's my son and I'm a proud dad. Jesus didn't win God's approval based on his performance. His father was pleased with him because of who he was, not what he had done. We tell ourselves, if I could be more disciplined, if I was more generous, if I only made better choices, then God would be proud. No, the truth is, God is well-pleased with you, just as you are. You're his beloved son or daughter. There is nothing you could do to make him love you anymore. He might not agree with all your behavior, but he is pleased with who you are. He's already approved you. He's already called you his masterpiece. Why don't you accept right now that God loves you and he's for you based on who he is, not your performance? But thoughts may say, God can't love you like he loves Jesus. He never made any mistakes. You're not like him. You know what you've done. Don't listen to those voices. If there's nothing you could do to make God love you anymore, then the good news is there's nothing you could do to make him love you any less. When your father looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees someone redeemed, forgiven, transformed by the power of the cross. He doesn't see mistakes and he doesn't see failure. Jesus said, just as the father is pleased with me, so have I loved you. Are we living for God's approval, or are we living from it? Are we striving to earn his love, or do we recognize we've been given more than we could ever deserve? When I was about nine years old, I had this video game that I loved. I was having the time of my life playing it. Until one day, my mom heard from another mom who heard from another mom that this game was too dark for me to be playing, and I wasn't allowed to anymore. I was devastated. So, of course, I did what any sanctified, church-going nine-year-old would do, and I hid it in the most secret place that I could think of, the attic behind the hot water heater. Pretty sneaky, or so I thought. A few weeks later, I was in the car with my parents, and out of the blue, my mom asks, did you hide that game I told you not to play? I panicked and said the first words that came to my mind. No. (laughs) Why? She said, because there was a problem with the hot water heater, and it just so happens your game was behind it. My entire life flashed before my eyes. That was the most secret place my nine-year-old brain could think of, and it had been found. I thought, this is the end. I've, I've been caught. I'm going to prison. But right before I could get in trouble, My dad spoke up and said, Victoria. Victoria, I told you, he hid the game because if his friends found it and asked to play it, he didn't want to have to tell them no. I don't know if my dad actually believed that or if he was just trying to bail me out. But in that moment, all I did was nod my head in agreement. I had never been so grateful for a second chance. I thought, I've seen the last of this PlayStation. I will never have fun again. But my dad spoke up and took my side despite what I had done. I'm sure he knew why I had hidden the game, but he chose to see the best. He didn't berate me for my wrongs. He showed me what was right. And that's just a funny story, but it can be a reminder of how merciful our Heavenly Father is. He takes our side. He bails us out. He doesn't give us what we deserve. When our mistakes became too much to bear, He said, put the blame on me. I'll take your sin. I'll take your failure. I'll take the stuff you're not proud of. As for you, You can move on. You can be free. You don't have to keep bringing this back up. I've forgotten it. But sometimes we live like we're trying to pay God back for what we've done wrong. We try to show him that we're really sorry by being defeated and discouraged about something that could have happened years ago. We've asked for forgiveness a thousand times, but we just don't feel worthy. That's not the Father's heart. He spoke up on our behalf. He took the penalty so that we didn't have to. We don't have to live beaten down and discouraged after he went to such great lengths to lift us up. The price has been paid. The first time you ask for forgiveness, his mercy comes rushing in. Now we have to receive it and move forward. The reason some people get stuck in a cycle of guilt and condemnation is because they only know God as God not as their father. They think they need to stop this and change that and fix themselves before they could ever get right with God. But the Bible tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace, to obtain mercy and find help, even in our time of need. We won't go boldly to the throne if we think the one sitting on it is waiting to punish us for our sin. But when we know God as our Father, we can enter with our head held high, knowing he is rich in mercy and ready to help. It doesn't say come boldly to the throne if you haven't made any mistakes this week or come after you get your issues figured out. No, God wants us to come boldly to him even when we've messed up. Even on our worst day, we can go to our father. But most of the time, instead of running to God, we run from him. We think he'll be angry or disappointed. Thoughts will tell us, you can't go to God. You'd be a hypocrite. After all, you knew it was wrong and you did it anyway. God's not gonna help you out now. You have got yourself in this mess. Those accusing voices will try to draw us further and further from the truth that at the heart of God is mercy. Imagine a father teaching his son to climb a tree. He warns him not to climb it when he's not around because he doesn't want him to get hurt. Then one day he hears his son shouting for help from outside. He rushes out and sees him hanging from the top branch for dear life. He says, dad, please help, I'm slipping. This father would not scold his son for climbing the tree on his own. He wouldn't ask to see his report card or if he took the trash out last week. No, this father would do whatever it took to get his son down safely. God is a good father. He's not going to leave you hanging. You may have made the mess, brought the trouble on yourself, but the moment you call out to him, your heavenly father is there to help. He'll climb any tree, scale any wall, bring down any barrier to be at your side. You're his child. There's nothing he wouldn't do for you. When we were at our worst, he loved us. That's the father's heart. Instead of running from God, let's run to him. In Luke 15, Jesus tells the story of a son who came to his father and said, I want my inheritance and I want it right now. He packed his bags, moved to some wild city and had a crazy few weeks. He spent all his money on people and parties and things he thought would last a lot longer than they did. And then a famine hit and all of a sudden these new friends seemed to disappear. So we got a job out in the fields feeding pigs. This son found himself hungry and alone in some foreign country. He thought, at least my father's farmhands have better lives than this. Maybe if I go to him and tell him I've been reckless and I don't deserve to be called your son, then he'll take me back as a hired hand. So we gathered what little he had, and began his journey home. All the while practicing this speech he had prepared, I've been reckless and I don't deserve to be called your son. How many times have we disqualified ourselves as a son or daughter as if it was something we earned in the first place? How many times have we written speeches trying to convince God to take us back? That's not how biology works. That's not how God designed it. A son is still a son no matter how he feels. A daughter is still a daughter no matter where she finds herself. It's in the blood. No matter how reckless we've been, we can't undo the power of the blood. This young man hadn't even made it home yet. The Bible says when he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And with his heart pounding, he ran and embraced him. That's the good news. Even when we're a long way off, even when we don't have it all together, even when we're still broken and messed up, our Father comes running. He runs through any mistake or failure. He runs through any disappointment or unfair situation. He runs through any hurt or pain and embraces us as a father. To the people Jesus was talking to, this wouldn't have been a casual gesture. A respected man at the time would have never ran. If he were to run, he would have had to tie up his tunic and expose his legs. In that culture, this would have been humiliating, it would have been seen as shameful and inappropriate. But Jesus tells us, the father did not walk. He didn't wait until he got closer. Jesus said the father ran. It's the only time in the Bible we see a picture of God running. And he's running to someone who had blown it. He's running to someone who had messed up. He was running to his son. In doing this, he was saying, I'll take your shame. I'll take your guilt. I don't care what's appropriate. My son is home. My daughter is back. When we take one step toward God, we'll find he's already running toward us. It doesn't matter how far off we feel, his arms are open wide. But even after all of this, the son still tried to give his speech. He said, but I've been reckless and I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. And I love what verse 22 says. But the father wasn't listening. He didn't have time for regrets. He didn't want to dwell on the past. He was too busy putting a party together. He was already celebrating. For once, his son was lost. But now he's found. That's the love. Of our Heavenly Father, and that's how He feels about you. Receive His love, enter His embrace. Know that God is proud of you and you matter so much to Him. Thanks for watching the message. I hope it inspired and uplifted you. Make sure you subscribe to stay connected. There are new messages every week. We love you, and we'll see you next time.
0: as I've come to the end of this segment of welcome home fathers indeed it has been and will always be an absolute pleasure of having you the listener the hearer from anywhere tuning in sharing connecting to enter the garden podcast to my guests sister Ingrid Demet a hearty and warm thank you thank you for the encouragement thank you for encouraging fathers near and far to the many frontline workers out there we salute you we applaud you night and day shift work come what may there's a smile on your face helping others thank you to the home-based care workers you know they come round with a ray of sunshine attending bathing and being just there dutifully to you too a hearty and warm thank you to those tuning in from around the world perhaps you in at home in the comfort of your humble abode at the airport And if you're flying one Voyage to you, at a coffee shop, sharing this podcast with a friend, a neighbour, a work colleague or two, I salute you and I say thank you. Perhaps you're listening in from prison. Dutifully there are prison ministries going around. And so, if you are alone, tune into Into the Garden. To be uplifted, encouraged, with no frown. And to the many sassy souls out there. Tomorrow is Father's Day. Perhaps you are a parent, with no dad. A daughter, a son with an absent father, you have a heavenly father. The love of your heavenly father is an inspiration to one and all. And if there's anyone celebrating a birthday, happy birthday to you. An anniversary, happy anniversary to you too. Perhaps a promotion congratulations to you too but most of all thank you for sharing the love and you're most welcome to hop on over to my facebook page shasti cesarea because that's where the podcasts are shared as well as the many soul poems soul stories parables they all there And oh yes, I patiently await the pre-relaunch of you don't know the cost of my alabaster box. It's a giveaway at only 200 ZAR. So I thank you. And I salute you for your support and for your messages near far. So from May, Salome Jacobs and into the garden. Take care until tomorrow. Until we meet again. Same time, same place. You know where to find me. Not my will, but your will be done. Look up and thank God, and when you look down, you stomp the head of the anime to put a gram.
2: we